Hello, 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 and welcome to Mental Health Monday, podcast episode number three. I'm very excited for this week because I have all the tea to spill to you guys. The last two weeks have been borderline hell for me, and I'm excited to share with you guys just because I feel like it's relatable AF, so here goes nothing. Okay, guys, so this past two weeks, like I mentioned, have been difficult to say the least. So I'm going to try to start from the beginning. Two weeks ago, I had noticed that my tolerance for just everyday inconveniences was plummeting and I was very irritable and just not a happy person, to say the least, for probably over two to three months. Like, at this point, the pandemic is finally getting to me, and there's nothing that I can do to fight the feeling of being overwhelmed and overworked and burnt out and all the above, so... Clay sat me down. Does this sound familiar? Because it is. (laughs) This is what happened to me the first time. Clay sat me down and he just said to me, hey, I know you're struggling. I think actually at the time I was crying in my room over some minor inconvenience. And he said that you can't keep living like this. You're clearly miserable You've been telling me you've been depressed for a really long time. You've been telling your therapist you're depressed for a really long time. And so just a little bit of backstory. I do go to therapy every two weeks, which is great. But like I've said on previous IGTV stories of mine, when I talk about medication and stuff, sometimes therapy doesn't cut it for when your neurochemicals in your brain are off or depleted, or whichever, right? So after dealing with this feeling, this impending doom slash impulsive, intrusive thoughts about things like suicide and death and stuff like that, I finally decided to get help in a pharmaceutical way. So normally... In the past three years or so, I've been very hesitant to go on any sort of medication because of the experiences that I had the first time that I talked about on my first podcast, so things like weight gain and stuff. So this time was really difficult for me, but when Clay sat me down, he said, we're in this together, we're going to get through this together. We'll buy a scale, we'll eat healthier, we'll get some sort of workout equipment at the house, we'll do whatever it takes, but you can't keep living your life like this because you're miserable, and you're taking it out on everyone around you, and you're just not able to cope. And this was on a Friday night, and I said, okay, fine. So I called the doctor and scheduled an appointment for Monday. 
on Monday, my doctor was only doing phone consults due to COVID. So whatever, I had a phone consult with her and explained to her all of my fears behind going back on medication, which I've discussed with you guys before. And she was actually very supportive. This is kind of like a new doctor to me in Lethbridge, especially like she hasn't been with me through all of the stuff I went through last time. So with fresh ears, she heard me and validated my feelings and definitely agreed with me that going on medication, especially if I've gone on it before, was the right step for me. This was a difficult decision because prior when I went on medication, I always experienced heavy anxiety feelings. And I was just nervous and jittery. And like I said, I literally gave myself IBS just from how anxious I was. My stomach was always in knots, the whole deal. And this time it was for depression, not anxiety. Of course, I do sometimes feel anxious when I'm very overwhelmed and I get the heart palpitations and the whole thing. But overall, my main concerns were just the overall feelings of emptiness and sadness and, like I said, the intrusive thoughts and things like that. I just constantly was worrying, which is also a part of anxiety, for the record. (laughs) But So this time, me going on medication for depression was different. So she said, okay, that's fine. We will put you on a medication that works for you, that doesn't have any sort of side effects as far as weight gain goes and that kind of a thing. So a little bit of backstory, but I discovered upon getting off my medication the last time I was taking Ciprolex, or it's also called Lexapro. The medication itself doesn't in fact make you gain weight. So most antidepressants don't make you gain weight. It's The weight gain is more common in antipsychotic medication, such as those for bipolar, schizophrenia, and stuff like that. So the medication I was on didn't, in fact, cause me to gain the weight exactly. It just altered the way my metabolism was within my brain. And so you guys probably know that you have a hunger center in your brain and all those types of things. So in my brain, it was essentially a switch that told me that I was always starving. So instead of the switch being flipped to say, hey, you're full, stop eating now, that didn't happen to me. So I just constantly felt like I was starving. So I was literally eating everything in sight. And so I have discovered that that is the reason why I gained weight. But the switch not being flipped was a result of my medication. So anyway, back to the story. Two Mondays ago, she says, okay, you can go on this medication. I said, a lot of my friends have have had ex- success on a medication called venlafaxine, or it's also referred to as Effexor. And so she said, okay, that one is awesome. It doesn't have any things that say it's going to make you gain weight, all of those things. So I said, okay, worth a try. And so that Monday, I went and got it, the prescription filled at Shoppers. And then once I picked it up, I took one that evening and they warned me that this medication can cause insomnia. 
And so I told the pharmacist, well, I normally took my other medication at night because it actually made me feel drowsy. And he said, okay, well, you could probably take this at night too if you took your other one at night. So that evening I took the medication and it went horribly wrong. I was up literally the whole night wide awake. I couldn't sleep and I was nauseous. I had diarrhea the whole nine yards. Sorry, this podcast is going to be very TMI. But I had basically all adverse effects to the medication and I was just very sick feeling. My heart was pounding. I was scared. Like my anxiety was just through the roof and I hadn't experienced that level of anxiety for a long time. Like I was borderline going to have a panic attack. So I called the pharmacist in the morning and said, hey, listen, I haven't slept and all of this stuff happened and he said, okay, stop that medication immediately. It's not agreeing with your system. You're having a lot of gastrointestinal upset from it and all that kind of stuff. So I said, okay, whatever. So I called my doctor immediately after and she let me know that that's really rare to kind of react that way to the medication and that if I tolerated my Ciprolex that I was on last time, that she recommends going on that medication and we would just watch my weight very closely and stuff instead of me having to go through the hell of trying to try a million different antidepressant medication and have these effects happen to my system and have my brain kind of go through that turmoil of trying to figure out what works best for me. And so I agreed. So the following week, I waited a week and I had to take a week off from school because the after effects of that first medication lasted a whole entire week and completely debilitated me. So I started the Ciprolex last Sunday, I believe it was, and I've been on it ever since. They started me on five milligrams and I have been okay. As of yesterday, so Sunday, it had been one week since I had been on the medication. I am feeling 300% better. It was like a switch went off and I am just feeling so much happier. I do know that the medication doesn't work like that because it takes usually up to six weeks to actually have an effect in your brain or at least 12 days. So I know that a lot of the effects are probably just my brain chemicals starting to level out and maybe some serotonin is actually being retained. So that is kind of where I'm at. That's an update for you guys. On the note of medication, however, I wanted to talk about how my experience doesn't determine anybody else's experience. For example, like I mentioned, I have tons of friends who are on the effects or medication, and it's absolutely changed their life. They love it, and it has kept them alive today. So I just want you guys to know, just because I say all of these fancy medication names and what works for me, what doesn't work for me, that has nothing to do with what it would do for you. I have tons of friends who tried Ciprolex and they absolutely hated it. I was on it for a year and a half and liked it, other than the whole weight gain piece. But So I just wanted to make a note for you guys listening that somebody else's medication experience shouldn't shame you out of trying to go on medication or scare you into going on medication or 
scare you about not going on medication. So just make a note of that because it's something very important. I have talked to other people and they said, oh, well, you had so many severe effects from the medication or from antidepressants in general, and that makes me not want to go on medication. And I am saddened by that because a lot of people think that's how it works, but in reality, there's many different classes of antidepressant medication, and they all work in different ways. So if you are trying to get on medication and you have tried a few medications that haven't agreed with you, don't lose hope because there is a medication that is going to work good for you that'll change your life the same way this medication is changing my life, the same way my friends have had their lives changed by their medication. But antidepressants isn't a one-size-fits-all type situation. The next thing that I want to talk about is something that I know has impacted a lot of you and has been really impacting me lately, and that is the fear of getting help or reaching out for help or letting others know you're struggling and the fear of looking weak or incompetent. So this kind of came to a head two weeks ago, like I said, when I had the week where I needed to call in sick to school and I had to make that decision on behalf of my body and just listening to my body and my brain. However, it didn't make it any easier because the whole entire time that I was thinking about calling and kind of expressing how I've been feeling and how I've been overwhelmed and burnt out and stuff, I had this inherent fear, not a fear of getting help from my doctor, not a fear from talking to my therapist or even Clay, but the fear of looking weak to my employer, my clinical instructor, all of those people, my teachers. When I say I was debilitated, I mean I spent the whole week basically in bed and This really had a negative effect on my brain and my mindset because I was beating myself up over asking for grace and asking to be able to take time to just rest and recuperate. One thing that is prominent in nursing that those of you who aren't in nursing or the healthcare field might not know is one of our competencies is self-regulation and being able to give yourself a self-assessment because it's the oxygen mask theory of if you don't put your oxygen mask on there's no way that you can put the oxygen mask on someone else in my case meaning I can't help anybody else or assist any patients if I am struggling and I'm not going to make it through So one thing I told myself for a long time before I actually had Clay sit me down was that I pass off as very high functioning. Like people in my life wouldn't know that I'm anxious. I mean, everybody knows now because I never shut up about it, but everybody knows that I have a mental illness. But prior to that, nobody knew that I was struggling. Nobody knew that I had something so severe going on in my brain that I couldn't function and 
this is problematic because I have a fear of being vulnerable, which is ironic considering I just spill my guts to you guys. But on the outside, I would like people to perceive me as strong and competent and all of those things that when you admit that maybe you're having suicidal thoughts or your depression is debilitating you so much you can't take a shower or make meals for yourself. Those things make you vulnerable to criticism, to judgment. But in fact, I know that this is mostly me talking to me here, but (laughs) it's very brave to express to somebody that you need help because It's better to ask for help when you feel that starting to come on than when it's too late because many people have gotten to that point and then in my case, maybe I would have had to drop out of school or whatever, quit my job or, you know, that type of thing. So presenting as high functioning isn't always a blessing. Like, for example... Me and my therapist meet every two weeks. We've kind of stretched it out more recently to every three weeks because when I would have a mini crisis, in the moment, I would be able to solve it using my tools, I guess, that I've kind of practiced to myself. Over the few days of having my crisis, I would be able to iron those things out myself because as an adult with a mental illness, sometimes you don't have any other choice because you have to go to school and you have to go to work and stuff. So I was able to just use my tools and then when it came to time to meeting with my therapist every few weeks, she would be like, how are you feeling? How's it going? And I would be like, oh, well, actually, I'm having a really good day today. But like last week was really dark. And like, I had a couple thoughts about suicide. But then I was able to tell myself those are just thoughts and blah, blah, blah. And I was able to kind of get through it. And now here I am, and I'm having a good day today and stuff. And then my therapist would be like, wow, you're doing so great. And I'm so proud of how far you've come. And like, you essentially have the answers to all of your questions. And you know exactly how to overcome these crises that you might be experiencing. And my therapist is none the wiser because I put on this act of, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, I wasn't fine maybe a day or two ago, but today I'm fine and I'm doing well right in this moment. I'm surviving right in this moment, which can be very problematic, but... How does a therapist via Zoom, if you don't tell them really in detail, like actually know, like I'm putting on a front, I'm struggling, how do they know how to help you? So I normally am too proud to kind of say sometimes that I need that extra help. But when Clay sat me down to tell me that it is noticeable that I am debilitated, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. I will talk to my doctor right away because in a weird way, I almost needed that validation or that like permission sort of speak to ask for help because if somebody else in my life that's so close to me that knows me so well could see through this act that I'm putting on, I knew that it was something that needed to be taken seriously and needed to be dealt with immediately. Moral of the story is, 
You're not only brave when you're vulnerable, but you're also powerful. You're very powerful when you're vulnerable. And that is a quote from RuPaul. (laughs) So that's it for this week's episode. Kind of more so a life update, kind of talking about the stigma. Things should go back to normal now that my brain chemicals are starting to iron out. I appreciate you guys being patient with me always because we are all struggling in our own unique ways and I hope that there's something from this week's episode that you guys can gather and use to propel you forward or inspire you to maybe get help or make that extra step. I hope all of you have a wonderful week and thanks again for tuning in to Mental Health Mondays.